So, you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you do need to snooze, we encourage you to do that at home in your warm, comfortable bed than doing it in our pews on a Sunday morning. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. You'll still miss out on some things we think are pretty great, like intergenerational community and inspiring music and children doing funny things during the children's time. And we won't be able to give you any cookies after worship, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so that if you're away from home or working, coaching your kid's soccer game, maybe trying to sneak in one more camping trip before the snow comes, Mm -hmm. you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we just ask that you would keep an open heart and an open mind. And we're serious about that open mind thing. We expect that you will not agree with everything we say, that you will figure out, you will question and disagree and figure out what you think. But our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So we are in the middle of a series on Breathing Underwater, Spirituality Mm -hmm. in the 12 Steps, which is a book by Richard Rohr about addiction and recovery with the premise that we are all addicted to something. Yep. Some of it's more evident than others. Some of it's more evident than others. And so we are now on step 11, and we're not going to go through all of the 10 steps that have come before, but we will summarize for you. Yes. But we do advise you to know what they are. Yeah, or go back and listen to the the series of the podcast, pick up the book, right? Um, see what you think. Uh, the first three steps are about giving up, giving up control, giving up thinking that we can do everything on our own, giving up thinking that we have the best solution, mm-hmm. giving up on all the things that haven't worked. Yep. The next three steps are about owning up, mm-hmm. recognizing how the ways that we have tried to address our pain in the past has actually caused harm to ourselves and others. Yep. And not being afraid of of admitting that so that we can maybe right. not do that again. Right. And and that owning up is essential because if you don't own it, you can't move forward. Yeah. If we don't see our mistakes, then we don't know what to avoid stepping in in the future. The next three steps are about making up, about mm-hmm. recognizing that this fix is something that is not just for our own healing, but that heals relationships around us. And so it's about, you know... Going to those people that we know we've caused harm to and saying, I'm sorry, and finding a better way forward. And now we're into the last three steps, which are about growing up. Yeah. They are about choosing to live our lives in a mature, healthy way that Mm -hmm. is connected to people, connected to God, and connected to ourselves, and that doesn't allow room for those sneaky addictions to creep back Back in. in. And a lot of people get to this point and they, they sort of slip back because it's easier to remain where we've been comfortable. Mm-hmm. But the, the the challenge and the reward is in these steps, mm-hmm. is seeing how our lives are transformed when yeah. we don't let that addiction, whatever it is, yeah. have that control. And like we said in the last episode, it's remembering who we are mm-hmm. and choosing to live into that instead of into what's maybe an easier fix. Right. And as I'm learning in an app these days, based on studies from all around the world, neuroplasticity, which is the thing that helps your brain build pathways when you learn new things and create stronger pathways, gets stronger if you exercise it. Yeah. In other words, 
learning to do something new will make it eventually easier to learn to do things differently. Right. So it's, it's, it's just like your body. It's a use it or lose it. It builds. Yeah. So today we're at step 11, which mm-hmm. is we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for the knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. So I started with a story about going to the lake with my dog. Yeah, I was there. Uh, Susan was there. And so I said, you know, it had been a while since I'd had a day. And so uh, we chucked Susan in the car, <laughs> chucked, chucked Squirrel in the car, car, gathered all the things that we thought we would need for the day and headed over to the lake. Well, uh, we got there and it was pretty early in the morning. And so there weren't a lot of people there. Nope. And it was great. And, and it was a so cooler day. It was, an, it was a very cool day. So Susan and I were not in the water. But Squirrel, of course, first thing she does she Into the sniffs water. every rock along the path. Mm-hmm. She looks for every person she might interact with. And she goes charging headfirst into the lake. And so for, I don't know, an hour, maybe oh, yeah. longer, I chucked her orange floaty toy in and out of the lake. But we had some interruptions. The first interruption was a family that came strolling down the beach. And they came strolling down the beach from a hotel that's not too far away. Yep. And they were picking up these flat, smooth rocks. Well, we're on a beach that's not really sand beach. It's like a rock beach. It's a rock like... beach, Carnelian Bay at Lake Tahoe. It's dog friendly. Right. Which is why we go there. And they, they started picking up these stones and, and throwing the stones into the water. Well, Squirrel thought this was a great game. Right. So she goes running over to these kids and I'm doing the usual dog owner thing, which is you go in public with the dog off leash. You spend most of your time apologizing. And so I go <laughs> shuffling down the beach to apologize, but really to brag on my dog because I think she's wonderful. Uh, and as I approach this family, I say, I'm so sorry. She thinks that your rocks are, are toys that you're throwing into the water for her. And so every time they tried to skip a stone, she'd go running into the water after it and not be able to find it. Well, I thought this was adorable. <laughs> so, and it is sort of adorable. It is. It is adorable. Well, because like literally, what, two weeks before that, you had used that trick to try and... Um... Get her to retrieve somebody something else's, else's toy, toy yeah. that had the dog wouldn't go out and get it. And so we threw a rock and Squirrel got the toy and brought it back for us. Yes, she's very easy to manipulate. And so this family is like taking pictures of these two kids who are skipping stones. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to get in the middle of your of your vacation. And they're like, yeah, it's actually ruining the shot. Can you right. get the dog out of the picture? Like, oh, oh, all right. Well, these are not our people. These are not our people. <laughs> so. So we drag Squirrel back down the beach and the poor thing had to go on the leash. And she's whining. You know, she makes two noises, really, our Squirrel. On the way to the lake, as she starts to smell the evergreens and she knows where we're going, she makes this sound that all of our souls make, I Mm -hmm. think, when we are anticipating something good. It sort of sounds like this. (laughs) And then... When she is mourning because the thing that she thought was going to be so good ends up not being something she has access to because she's back on the leash at the at the site again, um, she makes the most mournful wailing sound. Hmm. And she did that for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, eventually this family moves on back down the beach with their photo shoot and a squirrel can run around again. So she runs around again. And then another guy comes onto the beach and this guy has a dog that has a Frisbee. Well, Squirrel has a floaty toy, so she thinks they're going to be best friends. So she goes running down the beach in the other direction towards this guy. (laughs) And she tries to help the other dog bring their Frisbee back in after they've chased it into the water. Well, the other dog did not want Squirrel's help. No, no. And it turned out the other dog was actually quite protective of its toys and so uh, attacked Squirrel. And so we had to separate the dogs. And once again, we had to take Squirrel 
on a leash and hang out at the towel, which is not her favorite thing. No, um, she did not enjoy this, that. Until this other dog left. Well, this seemed to happen again and again. People would come and Squirrel would want to go play. And other dogs were more interested in their toys or more interested in their people um, than really in playing with Squirrel. And Squirrel was devastated. She yes. cannot understand why everybody does not love her all the time. And honestly, I can't understand that either. She's a 65-pound boxer with a snow white face and just and, the and most expressive way of relating to people. Yeah. Anyway, all of this to say, uh, we eventually had to pack up and, and leave the beach and head back to town. And I remember thinking, you know, this is a really excellent look at what prayer is like. Mm, prayer yeah. is about openly engaging the world as it is. It's about connecting to what is joyful and beautiful in every moment and squirrel is in a constant state of prayer. Right. Squirrel loves everything. Mm -hmm. She loves everyone. She wants to engage all the time. Uh, And what often happens is when we come to prayer with our own agenda, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. we come to the lake with our own agenda, I'm going to get the perfect photo so that everybody will see how happy my family is. Right. So it'll be perfect on Facebook. Or I'm going to protect and defend what I own with Mm -hmm. everything I am because I don't want to share. Yep. What we miss out on are the connections that we share in the world through God to one another and to ourselves uh, and to the world around us. And so I just remember thinking, man, the human mind and the doggy mind in some ways, you get this this agenda in our heads and we miss out on how prayer is happening yeah all around us well or or how on how we might actually perceive the world mm-hmm. like we, we get stuck thinking that the plan we had in our head is the way the world is going to be right and how disappointed are we when that happens yeah and so one of the things that we said was that prayer is about recognizing and then relativizing the obsessive nature of the human mind Mm-hmm. It's about recognizing mm-hmm. our agendas right? and then remembering that they're not actually that important. The cutesy way people say this is if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Right. Right. It's really about saying, okay, I, I might know where I think I want to go, but I'm not going to dismiss everything, all the interruptions right. that are happening around me. And so Richard Rohr talks about this in terms of the calculating versus the contemplative mind. Right. And I found this to be really powerful because I think our culture has come to assume that the calculating mind is the only mind. Mm-hmm. And the calculating mind helps us to do what kinds of things? Oh, it helps us to do all the everyday things, science and math and giving directions and paying bills, paying bills and having a conversation with people getting us from one place to another, making decisions about what we're going to eat or when we're going to do something or, you know, just those everyday day in, day out, how our brain works, what, you know, that we take in the information and we respond accordingly mm-hmm. kind of things. Richard Rohr talks about it, how, uh, about it as something that's almost always in control of our brain. Mm-hmm. And it's become the way for many that it's the only way to see the world. There is no other way to see the world. And the problem with that is that it's limiting. Right. There's sort of five big things that the calculating mind can't can't help us with. So love, love. death, suffering, God, and infinity. Right. Are things that the calculating mind just can't really explain. Right. And and a lot of it is like it's it's egocentric. Like the the calculating mind is all about how we see the world Mm -hmm. versus stepping out of ourselves. And allowing, you know, ourselves to see a bigger picture or to see a different picture or to have a different, imagine what it would be like to be 
someone else or to be from a different um, perspective. Empathy. Yeah. So Richard Rohr calls that the contemplative mind. Right. Yeah. He calls it, he says it's the positive widening of our lens. It's Mm -hmm. letting God to change the way that we perceive and then participating in this divine action that's happening in the world. Right. Right. Saying yes and finding out God is there already. I remember as a college student hearing a a woman who had been a missionary talk about how she thought she was going to bring Jesus to the world. Mm. And then she was sent somewhere. And and when she got there, she she had to admit God was already there. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, uh, Well, it's finding, so finding God where you are, finding God in the midst of your struggle, recognizing that God does come to us disguised as our lives. Right. And then letting those moments of seeing the detail and then seeing the larger perspective change us into people who are truly obedient. Jesus prayed a lot. Jesus often went Mm -hmm. away from his disciples. And when he was preaching, he talked about going into your inner room. Yeah, I really liked that whole thing. Like that was really there is no inner inner room room in a. There is no inner room in a Jewish household. In a, in a first century Jewish household, there is no inner room. Right. It's an open plan format. Right. And so what Jesus is really referring to is you go into that place in yourself where you think nobody sees you and nobody knows. Right. And that's the place where prayer happens. Don't go babbling on about all the things that you think God needs to do. Just go into that place and see what God draws your attention to. Yeah. Um, because... God helps us to zoom in and zoom out. Um, right. There is no one size fits all prayer. Jesus tries to give us a prayer that we've turned into something that we say so rotely that we don't really notice yeah. it anymore. Yeah. But it's really over and over again saying, God, your will, your will, your, your will. will. Help what, me pay attention to your what will. What am I, what, where am I, where am I called to be in this? Where, where are you putting me? How are you positioning me? What are you facing me towards? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love how Richard Rohr calls this an alternative processing system. Yes. I was like, Yes. Like, like that, that puts words to something I experience all the time with people like, like who can't like those conversations you have with people where you're, you're, you're trying to get to the same point, but they cannot get there with you because you've come at it at a right angle Mm -hmm. and you're talking about the same thing and yet you don't get there. And I talked a lot about how prayer and meditation are something that we don't see as a window or a doorway. Mm-hmm. We kind of see it as a, the, a depository. Uh, yeah, or a telephone line. Or a telephone line. In my previous ministry context, there has been some resistance to the notion of meditation. Mm-hmm. Because there's been this... Because there's no Jesus. There's no Jesus. If you open your mind like that, the devil will come in. Yeah. Right? Or you just recognizing the devil that's already there so you can deal with him. <laughs> right. But, you know. Whatever. Whatever. Right. But uh, thinking about how that has been a limited, limiting us and our experiences of both of prayer, because when we talk about prayer in this, the kind of format we're talking about, mm-hmm. those in authority have no control over it. Yeah. It, it actually is a perfect illustration for the addictions we're, we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. That we have let this this practice go, or we have stopped teaching it, or stopped emphasizing it because it seems too woo woo, or maybe the Protestant Reformation thought it was too Catholic, or Baptists thought it was too Methodist. Who knows? These things pushed to the side cuts us off, and we lose that vital connection, which mm-hmm. is the spiritual hunger that we are actually trying to fill when we fall into addiction. Right, and it's the spiritual hunger that I don't I, that you and I witness all around us all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people looking for meaning, purpose, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, hope, yeah, and it's there, 
But yeah. we just, we're not programmed to see it because we're programmed to say things in the right order, in the right way, mm-hmm. and deposit them at the church and mm-hmm. in hopes that eventually it will come back around. Well, it, you don't have to go to the church. You don't have to, right. you don't have to deposit anything. Yeah. You don't have to pay 50 cents and light a candle. No. Um, you can just go into that place in yourself and invite God to help you notice. Yeah. The other line that I that I want to lift out that I thought was really important to talk to think about, the contemplative mind is how we are able to deal with bigness and newness. Mhm. And I think that's a real real significant thing because God is always in bigness and newness because mm-hmm. God is doing something we can't see. Mhm. And in one glance. And that bigness and newness uh, through our calculating mind overwhelms us yeah it's unprocessable right and our you know all our supercomputers and all our you know cannot handle it but when we begin to do this kind of work yeah so we can hear something so yeah. I, I closed with a story about going to yosemite when i was a little girl mm-hmm. so we used to live not far from yosemite we used to go up there quite a lot and we'd go up in the summer and hike we'd go up in the winter and play in the snow and one of the things i remember from when I was a little girl, was going to the valley, going mm-hmm. to the, the meadow in the valley, right. and getting out of the car, and walking into the meadow, and looking up at this very famous mountain called El Capitan. Right. And El Capitan is uh, an attraction all over the world for rock climbers, mountain climbers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to scale El Capitan. And what, in fact, I think a couple years ago, it made the news because a guy scaled El Capitan without ropes. Yeah. Which seems insane to me because it takes more than one day right. to do it. And this is a place, it's also very dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous. What we used to do is we'd look up and you'd see these little dots of color on the face of the mountain, but you couldn't really see them, right? Right. My dad had one of those cameras that, you know, a six-year-old can't hold because the lens is just longer than their arm is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he would give us the body of the camera and he, we'd snap the lens onto it and then he'd help us aim it at the mountain and then we'd do that twisting thing mm-hmm. to zoom in. Now when we zoom in, it's like we pinch the screen and then move right. our fingers out. In fact, if you show small pictures to, to babies and toddlers, they're they, so used to technology that they try, try and do, do that. They try to yeah. zoom in. With this, with this zoom lens, he would put on this camera and we could see almost their faces. You mm-hmm. know, you could see their sleeping bags tied to the rocks and all the ropes that they were using. And um, I remember being stunned one day when I realized they were passing coffee around up there on the rock face. <laughs> they had a thermos that they were carrying with them and they were passing coffee around in the cold. And I just remember being stunned by that. Mm. And that wasn't something I could see on my own. Right. I needed that lens that would help me zoom in. Mm. But when you zoom all the way in, you can't see the mountain. Right. You just see the things that are going on, the little calculating things that are happening. Mm -hmm. And so then you also have to be able to zoom back out again. And so prayer for me is this, this act of zooming in on what is, what are the details of my life? Mm -hmm. And then zooming out and saying, God, how does, how do I behave in in the midst of this detail? Right. So, um, so instead of saying God is the check that bounced or God is the parking spot that wouldn't appear or, or whatever, whatever. Yeah. we can say, okay, in the midst of the, the little chaotic details of my life, where is God moving and how do I be part of that? Right. And your image, it also brings to mind the idea that it's not just about um, focusing in on my stuff, but sometimes our perspective is such that we cannot back up. Mm-hmm. And it is God who helps us back up. 
and be able to see the big picture. One of my favorite quotes from Archbishop Oscar Romero's work is, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing your part of the painting Mm -hmm. and, and that's the part you're responsible for. And God is painting a bigger picture. But sometimes God lets us have that bigger glimpse. We mm-hmm. just get glimpses. We don't get to hold on to it usually of, of what that big picture of, of what of what God is in the midst of doing. And that's really powerful stuff. And if we if we do not have access to that, if we do not allow ourselves access to those things, creativity dies. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, begin, we get stuck in the idea that we can solve all the problems. Right. Empathy dies. Empathy dies. Yeah, I was, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they brought up something I'd said to them years ago. Oh, yeah, I didn't course. remember, mm-hmm. um, which is usually a pretty good sign that it wasn't me thinking right, out loud. Right. But I was in the middle of this meeting, and this person was honing in on this relationship in their life that was broken. Mm-hmm. And it was like their entire identity was wrapped up in this brokenness. Mm-hmm. And I asked this question, and I said, without using that person's name in the sentence... Mm-hmm. Who are you? Ooh, yeah. And they got really defensive and a little bit angry and mm-hmm. kind of insulted mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. did not storm out of my office, but came pretty close to it. And a couple weeks ago said, do you remember saying that to me? <laughs> I did not, but it, it sounded certainly like something I would think was a clever thing to say. Yeah. And they said that was when I started to be liberated from the toxicity yeah. that was in my life in that moment because they couldn't zoom out. They couldn't see past this one broken part of their life to the whole glory that was available to them. Um, And I think it's good for us to remember when we get really honed in on something that is broken in us, in our Mm -hmm. relationships, in our Mm -hmm. world, it's also okay to zoom back out again. Right. Well, so that's where we're at. We're at at the idea that we need to practice. Mm-hmm. be present to prayer and meditation and to make it an active part of our spiritual life and our life in general as, as we move into the world. Yeah. So, so thanks yeah. for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to what we've been talking about, you can shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. Leave us a message on Facebook or on sundaymorningsleepin.com where you'll find the entire archive of all of the episodes we've ever recorded and posted. Uh, The scripture for this podcast will be posted there as well. There will be links to it to BibleGateway.com. And the theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. So the thing that I I was reminded of in your story is how sometimes we hold information that other people need. That that's the only way God has to get the information across. What I want to tell you to do or or ask you, invite you into in this moment is the idea that, that God is working in and through you. And to be graceful and merciful in accepting that in yourself. And that as you go into the world, to be transparent about where it is and how it is that you might see God so that others might also. Amen. Thank you.